Oh, hey, mm-hmm. not like a greeting, but like what horses eat. Google. Yes. You've come to the right. <laughs> Wait, I don't know. Okay, get the ad. Let's go. Did you hear this? Oh, yeah, I know this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Look at the overalls with, like, the one side hanging. It's so stupid. Oh, yeah, I used to like the song. Yeah. But why were they in a barn? Because, like, why? Because that's where hay is kept. Right, but why are they rapping about hay? They're not rapping about hay. They're rapping about marijuana. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, okay, so we got some agriculture. <laughs> oh, this my is God. really good. <laughs> what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Oh, my God, look at his plaid. That's how I wore my hair when I was a little kid. I'm so mad at you right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, we got a little bit of agriculture going <laughs> really good why didn't this trend stick we need to be growing our own food that girl know that hay is sticking her get out of that hay Many of our listeners have not yet seen the first season of Atlanta at Best. Therefore, we're doing a rewatch. This is episode two, Streets on Lock. We get an honest glimpse of the American prison system while Earn waits to post bail. What did you think of this? Uh, still light, but uh, definitely really, really heavy, like lots of heavy themes. Um, uh, just as it relates to black people in the prison system, black men, um, sexuality, uh, just the way things are set up in prison, like just to not that prison should be this positive and uplifting place, but it is definitely uh, you are there and they want to break you down to the lowest possible denominator. Like they want to make sure that you just give up. There's no hope. You know, there's nothing. It, it was it was depressing. But at the same time, you know, which we which we've said constantly is a genius of this show. Um, there's still a light touch and there's still moments where you where you have to laugh and then very quickly like on a dime it'll just turn to like where you're almost wanting to cry um when we when it opens up it's alfred and Ern, and they're basically kind of sitting there chuckling about the methods that the cops use to try to get them to turn on on each other you know and just kind of like you know we know what they're trying to do like it's not going to work um and then they have a funny conversation where Earn says, well, um, I think Alfred kind of chides him about not getting rid of the weed. And Earn is like, you know, well, I mean, there was kind of a lot going on. And Al kind of laughs. And then the funny line from that scene, uh, Earn says something like, um, well, I mean, you know, it's just half a blunt. Uh, it shouldn't be that bad. And he's like, you've gotten um, arrested for weed before, right? It shouldn't be that bad or it's not that bad. And Al says something like, I mean, it's not as good as not getting arrested for weed. He kind of like looks at him like, you're stupid. But it just kind of shows like Earn, Earn is naive when it comes to this. 
Um, and he just thinks like it's not going to be a big deal. But as the viewer, you're watching this knowing like knowing what we know about what happens to black people arrested for possession of, mar- of marijuana as it relates to white folks. It's not just not a big deal. It can turn into something that's a real problem. And that, of course, plays out, you know, um, in later uh, in later episodes and in the second season. But it just kind of it shows the differences, you know, even though their relationship is shown, you can see their closeness um, and they're laughing about everything uh, in in the midst of something that's very grim. They've led different lives, you know, and Al kind of just gives them that look like, you know, I mean, I guess you could say it's not that bad, but it's better if you don't get arrested for it at all, you know. And uh, and then basically, it the that scene ends with um, with Al's name getting called uh, and not earned. But you know, as usual, I like I like the relationship. I like the way it's written. Um, they're very familiar with each other. But uh, but again, just that line where he says it's not going to be that bad. Um, and I know that you've done research on this too. Um, and I. And I pulled up something as well, but we know you're not white, so it is going to be pretty bad. It doesn't matter that it was just a little bit. They're going to treat you as if, you know, you murdered an entire family or maybe treat you as if you walked into a southern church and killed a bunch of black people. You know, they're going to equate that with the same thing. So uh, I just I thought it was interesting. Of course, I bring my own personal experience to to uh, viewing this show. I've been arrested before. I've been arrested twice. What? Yeah, I've been arrested before. It was in Las Vegas. It was for a domestic disturbance. So when I called the police on my ex, they took us both because thank you, OJ. Yeah, that's that's the law, yeah. So anyway, both times I called, both times they took me as well. Um, the first time uh, getting arrested, yeah, it's a little intimidating. The second time, it's like, okay. It's comical for me because I have a twisted sense of humor, but it was just really comical to see the same types like there's like a same cast of characters in jail every single time (laughs) i'm guessing because at least that's how it was for me and the process is meant to be demoralizing dehumanizing i think the the funniest thing in my experience is like when when i got arrested the first time i was just like okay i'll just read (laughs) so all of the books on the the book part are about the law. <laughs> They're just novels about the law and feature somebody, a criminal getting arrested and going to jail, like in all the books. <laughs> and so they get arrested and they go to jail and they're found guilty. And I just thought, wow, like who's sitting there thinking, okay, I just m- want to make sure every detail of the jail experience reminds people that they're paying a price. <laughs> That's what it's all about, you know. And so it's it's by design. We we find out in this scene, Ern has never been arrested. So he is, I mean, he's fearful. Now, I know the first time I was arrested, I was just like, okay, I don't know what the fuck is going to happen. I didn't think that I was going to get, like, raped or attacked or, like, some gang was going to jump me or anything like that. Most of the people that, that I got arrested with, they were drug addicts. They were arrested for possession or being under the influence. And drug addiction should not be treated as a crime. It's an illness. Um, But that's neither here nor there. Um, And 
if you need legal advice, if you've never been arrested before, you can ask any one of these drug addicts. They will tell you exactly what's going to happen. The people in jail are so knowledgeable about adjudication. <laughs> in Las Vegas jail, they knew all about the process, you know, everything that was going to happen, like how long you were going to be in there, you know, what, uh, based on whether or not it was your first year, second arrest, and who you should call and who you shouldn't call. and. I mean, those people are knowledgeable. Yeah. And they were they were very, like, the women I got arrested with, they were just very kind, regular people. The people that came in and were getting booked along with me, one one lady, like, it's a racket, you know. It's it's very much a, a business for the city. But she, she had, in Las Vegas, people, um, they flash each other all the time. It's Vegas. It's just like New Orleans during Mardi Gras when you, you flash for beads. It's like that. This woman, she got arrested for that. And I'm like, come on now. Everybody in Las Vegas has seen somebody else's titties. If you're in Las Vegas, you're going to see their boobs, you know, at any given point. So she got arrested for that. And, you know, it was she was there overnight. I was there overnight. You don't really sleep or you're tired. But you're you're uncomfortable. This pack that they make you sleep on is like you're in jail. The toothbrush that they give you, you're in jail. <laughs> the, the toothpaste is not actual toothpaste. You're in jail. <laughs> like everything is a reminder that you have you have fucked up and you are not free. As far as like the getting arrested for weed in Georgia thing, oh my goodness. Um, I, yeah, I did research. I looked that up. Georgia has some of the most punitive marijuana laws in the country. Um, a possession of a mere two ounces is punishable by up to 10 years in prison. Yes. Uh, a 2013 study by the ACLU found that although blacks and whites use marijuana at nearly identical rates, blacks in Georgia are 3.7 times more likely than whites to be arrested. Um, Georgia penalties for possession of marijuana include a six-month jail term and fine of up to $1,000. That's just for possession. You know, it recently in Fulton County, they decriminalized um, marijuana possession. So those arrested for possession of less than an ounce of marijuana could face no jail time and a fine of no more than $75 under the change. This is the change in the law. But it only affects unincorporated Fulton County. So it's like a seven-mile area. <laughs> and because of the way at Metro Atlanta is set up, like, so Fulton County is Atlanta and South Fulton and then Alpharetta and a couple of other, like Hapeville and East Point are in Fulton County. Depending on where you are, um, even a councilwoman said this, if you get arrested by anybody but a city cop, you're, you're messed up. <laughs> when Alfred says it's not as good as not being arrested, he was putting it very lightly. Like, you get arrested for weed in Georgia, Cobb County, man. You're done. <laughs> it's a done deal. Wow. God, that's, it shouldn't surprise me. Doesn't surprise me. But I'm sure there are other things that are worse that probably carry lighter sentences, or I'm sure it's different if you're in Georgia and you're white and you're arrested for weed. I mean, just like anything else. So I think it was bad the way they were doing, doing your girl, Gina, because you do not want to get, like, I didn't want to get recognized in jail. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was that was annoying. But I'm like, well, if the person is in there too, they did something they weren't supposed to be doing too. So. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so 
wasn't a friend that didn't recognize her. She had problems with that, but I I wouldn't have like I would have been like, yeah, let me hide under this hair. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what she did. Like, ooh, kind of like fluffed her bangs, put her head down. <laughs> Poor girl, it's not telling what happened. Well, she might be guilty. Well, she she looked super scared. Like she looked scared. Like before he said her name, she was just kind of like, you know, she almost looked like it was her first time too. She looked terrified. I, I kid with uh, my husband all the time. I was like, you ever been to jail before? He's like, no. And I'm like, I have. I jailed hard. Stupid. He's probably like, yay. <laughs> he just looked at me and shook his head like, I don't know what's wrong with you. Good on you? <laughs> like, what's wrong to say? <laughs> we watched 60 Days In and they had like uh, the season where it took place in Atlanta. And I was like, yeah, I could tell you all about that, son. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> like, all right, Kendrick. <laughs> like, oh my God, it's that West Coast gangsta rap coming out <laughs> with your angry sunny sky. <laughs> but I figured, like, you know, as far as me getting arrested, I figured it was going to just be a fact of my life. If I wasn't going to get arrested for activism or something, like, yeah, this is it. This is like, there's no way that I would walk through this life without having had that experience. My hope, though, is that I never get arrested in a third world country. That would be bad. Doesn't seem like there are too many rules. It's like, uh, do what we want, basically. Yeah, I do not want to get arrested in a third world country. Especially if you're not from that third oh, world yeah. country. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, I, no, never that. Europe, though, some countries in Europe, though, man, they got furlough and their their prisons are actually rehabilitative. God, why are they so, why are they better than us? So crazy. Like they're they're so like uh like ahead of the game. Everything America does, or many of the things that America does when when it comes to that, is so counterintuitive. So Alfred gets sprung. Um, I'm guessing by Darius is. So remember, like last episode, we were talking about how like in Atlanta, negative aspects of the black experience are further aggravated by black people, and this clerk is a perfect example. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, so Alfred's asking all these questions, and yeah, he does. I'm. I was pretty sure that no one was going to tell him Earn's business, but did she have to call him nigger though? Like, really? You know that, and then the police officer fanboying him, you know, like purposefully seeking him out to take a photograph for the Insta sluts. Yes, and then didn't even know who he was. He said Paperman. He's like, it's Paperboy. It's like he just heard, oh, it's a rapper. Let me get a picture. It's like this is so, you know, I hate to use the term meta, but it's so crazy. Like, wait, like, I mean, as far as rap is concerned and its and its background and what the musicians are, or the artists are usually talking about, you know, cops play a pretty big role in that. And, like, you're sitting here like this could be a prologue to one of his videos because it's so insane. Like, it, it was just it's crazy, and he seemed to have no self-awareness. Like, he didn't even seem to kind of step back and sit in it like, yeah, this is kind of crazy. I mean, because, like, let's let's be real. I'm sure that there are cops or prison guards, you know, they listen to rap, and if someone who was notable was in there, they would probably fan out, you know, or, like, you know, be kind of like a groupie or a fanboy. But the fact that this guy was doing it, and it was with no, like, irony or anything, and then the instant sluts and like let's do back to back it's like 
Y'all are in jail. Like, you work here. He's probably not in a good mood. Like, what is wrong with you? And I'm sure you you heard what happened and know something about, like, what he's in for people talk. It, it, it was it, it was crazy. He, the, the lack of self-awareness, you know, and maybe he did have self-awareness and just didn't care. But it's just it was just so strange seeing, like, you know, the policeman who's not a stranger. Like, it's not like, oh, people don't rap about the police. It's like it's kind of like, you know, the main thing. Uh, like, you're a major player in this whole thing. And you're like, let's take a picture. It was just, it was so weird, you know, and then it's a black, it was just weird. The whole situation was weird. I think he was aware and he just didn't care. I mean, his, the first story out of his mouth was, do you know Gucci Mane? Hey, I locked that nigga up. Like, that was a badge of honor for him. Yeah. And, and I mean, it probably is. They probably sit around and talk about that. It's like, yeah, I'm professional, you know, and it's just frightening. It's like, hey, y'all are the ones with the guns that, like, you can legally just kill us. And, like, and this is who's, quote, unquote, in, in charge or protecting and serving us. Wow, this is, this is crazy. When we go back to Earn, he's visibly shook. <laughs> Put on your Oakland face something. Yeah, like. he don't have that. <laughs> How are you going to be born and raised in Atlanta and not have, I mean, I call it an Oakland face, but pretty much it's your, like, it's your New York City face, it's your Chicago face, it's your, like, Ninth yeah. Ward face. Yeah, it's funny that, that you say that because Lance was very disappointed in him. Like, he's like, man, come on, just get up. Don't ask him if you can move. Just move. Like, that really irritated him. <laughs> like, when you're in jail, you're supposed to. I was like, okay, thank you. School me. <laughs> Yeah, you need to go ahead and jail if you're going to be there. So now I laugh when the police officer said this, but I also wanted to kick him in his head. If you want to sleep, you should have thought about that before you came to jail. Like, you, like I'm going to go to jail today. <laughs> yeah, and then guards in jail, they get off on saying stuff like that, too, because they, like, they get all power hungry. Have you seen that movie? Um, it was an experiment that took place in, like, the late 70s or early 80s, and it was where these college students pretended to run a jail. And half of them were the jailers and half of them were the prisoners. No, but I've heard it's about like that. Whenever you're put in a position of authority where you directly control somebody's behavior and movements and everything, you know, you lose your mind and you start to see that prisoner as less than human. This poor dude in orange shirt had me crack. What was it? Was his name Al or no? Lee was the crazy guy that drank the toilet water. But how he just randomly started up that conversation. Because he needed to get that off his chest. That is so Atlanta. I'm, I think, I'm sure you'll agree that that's Southern, but my goodness. No, they get real intimate real fast. But um, I felt sorry for the guy because, you know, and I think Ern felt sorry for him too because the police just locked them up when they were on their own property. Exactly. And then is that like a Georgia law? Like, because, you know, in, in Louisiana or let me scratch. In New Orleans, we have a skewed sense of things because we don't realize how many things we do that are insane that people are not allowed to do in other places, like drive through daiquiri shops and like walking around with open containers of alcohol. I grew up thinking that that was completely normal. Is that like a Georgia thing that you can't drink in public, but like on your own property? I thought that was weird. I think that was just harassment, you know, and it's it's. It was just a chance to make money off of these two guys. There's public intoxication. It's a misdemeanor. Um, it's fine up to $1,000, up to one year in jail. But whereas Georgia, 
means appearing in an intoxicated condition in a public place or on private property without permission. So private property includes the land and buildings surrounding a private dwelling. This means that a defendant who, for example, stumbles into or passes out in someone's backyard while drunk may be arrested for the crime of public drunkenness, even though the person was not technically in public. So, yeah, they there's no way the cops should have been able to arrest them. If they're on private property and it's, it was Grady's house because they were sitting on his porch, so there's no way that they should have been arrested. But, I mean, Atlanta PD, if ever watched 60 days in atlanta um even the way that they arrest people and when they transport them to the jail it just reeks of slavery (laughs) it just reeks of oh yeah they're really good at at uh shipping enslaved people you know from pillar to post because the patrollers were actually hired by wealthy landowners to round up runaway slaves. That was the first first types of police officers in the South. Yeah, like they're very efficient. They do the they're the best at it, you know, but they're experts. It's it's sad and sick, but they really are experts. There there is a way that it it's that it's very familiar and it's almost like it's in their blood. I mean we have a police force because it was all about trying to keep black folks in line. I mean it's an extension of the KKK. So well, there you go. Uh-huh. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like, and I live here. Jesus. Uh, so, first thing Alfred does when he gets out of jail is go to J.R. Cricket. Conversation or this scene that takes place with this, um, with this dude. <laughs> Did he have a name? Uh, I don't remember him having a name. I don't remember one coming up, but it was so strange. Um, he's, he, he starts off, you know, He's admiring him. He's congratulating him. And the main reason why he's so proud of Al is because he shot somebody. He's like, yeah, like, that's like that 90 shit. Like, yeah, like, back when people used to kill people. Like, it's it's just like, wait, that's what you're? So, you know, at first, Al, of course, is appreciative because he's enjoying, like, all of these little, um, these little, like, brushes with, or I guess the perks of, um, of being famous. But then when he says the thing about killing somebody, he's kind of like, wait, what? But what I found really funny about the scene is that the thing that caused Al to quickly forget how uncomfortable he was, was the wings. Like, he he forgot how weird it was and then was so appreciative when he found out not only was it lemon pepper, but it was lemon pepper wet, like with the sauce. And extra blue cheese. And then he totally forgot how weird it was. You know, he turns around, he gets a nod from the chef who looks all serious and like stoic. Like, this isn't Barack Obama that decided to stop at your restaurant. Like, come on, you know. And I just found it funny that that caused him to forget how messed up that guy's statement was and how messed up his, his praise, his misplaced praise was when he started talking about the wings. But then, of course, he it, it brought him right back when the guy was like, put all his hopes and fears on this one person. Don't don't let me down. If you let me down, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I laughed, but then it was like, okay, now Al is back to like, oh, yeah, this dude is creepy. Like, I forgot. I was momentarily dis- distracted by the wet lemon pepper wings. It's just such an odd scene. Sam the chef who gave the special lemon pepper wet, that has been in prison. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> the nod and the stance, the way that look on his face, I'm like, okay, he's done hard time. Yeah. So now I'm like... All right. Um, these guys 
have a reference for Paperboy because they feel like this dude is truly representing the street. Oh, yeah, definitely, because he's been in prison. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the waiter probably did some time, too. And, um, man, he just I guess he just wants that same toughness that involves, you know, rap guy just shooting random people on the streets for, like, a very stupid reason. Um, but, yeah, like, I had to, I kind of reflected, like, do I like Nippies Hip Hop because of the violence? Yeah, like, let's do a check here. I mean, like, I, like, I, I, I totally under, like, I understand, you know, I mean, cause there's a, I mean, there's been the longstanding conversation in hip hop as far as like, you know, everybody always thinks that the music from their time is, is superior. But, you know, we've heard the criticisms of, you know, um, what masculinity is these days or like how rappers are. And a lot of it goes back to masculinity. And there are some people who don't like, you know, feel good rappers. That was going on during the time that, like, when when we were younger, when people would rather listen to like, you know, Ice Ice Cube than Fresh than Fresh Prince. So it's not a new conversation. Like, I get it. It was just so deeply dis it's it's disturbed to be like, man, you killed somebody. It wasn't even like, yeah, like this person tried to attack you and and you killed them or someone um or you stopped a home invasion. It was just like. And you shot somebody, so yeah, you're real. And I'm like, but does that affect like his 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 flow? Does that mean that he's like a good rapper? It was just crazy. Like, and I mean, and I've I mean, I'm pretty sure that they decided to address this because this is a very real thing. Like, there are people, you know, who feel this way, who who like things because they're violent, and and then I guess like another layer of that is because it represents them. We all want to see ourselves reflected in art. But it's still just crazy. So, I mean, to me, it was like, it was the other, it was the other end of the spectrum from literally the, uh, the cop who's in jail who gets off on arresting people. Like, you're part of this whole puzzle, but you want to get a picture with me. To then the other person who's probably been arrested by that same dude or somebody like, yeah, good job. <laughs> it's like, Al doesn't want to be in jail. You know, it's crazy. So, I mean, and, and Al said, I hate this place. I mean, you know, it's the same thing that the other guy said, who, um, Grady's friend. He said, I hate this place. <laughs> I'm sure Al didn't actually want to shoot that guy. Like, you don't wake up each day like, who am I going to shoot today? No, he didn't want to shoot. That's why he took so long to do it. You know, so Snoop Doggy Dog was out here in concert a couple of years back, put on a fabulous show. I mean, just... Great performer, you know, went through like like just about the entire catalog. Yeah, he's he's always good. And you know, as I'm like going back down memory lane, I'm just like, wow, these songs were really violent. Yeah, those songs were horrible. <laughs> like this guy was really angry. But you know, when I think back to like like the what he had to confront. In L.A., you know, during the time he was growing up in L.A., you know, in Long Beach, Compton and whatever, it's crazy over here. You know, it's what the cops did to people because they they had they specially um, recruited police officers from Texas. Texas police officers been lynching people. But when there was like a boom and the Great Migration was taking place and a lot of blacks were moving out of the south and they moved west, 
you know, L.A. especially was like, well, we need to get some Klan types on the police force to control these colors because we've got the Mexicans and the blacks that we have to do. So for Snoop Doggy Dog coming up in these streets in that shadow right after crack was purposefully introduced into Southern California, specifically into inside the black community, it's it was not a positive outlook. There's no way he was he was going to get, you know, uh, <laughs> Fresh Prince type of rap. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that aspect of it. I also remember how, like, angry and alone and frustrated I felt, you know, just living in California. Because there's not the same level of, like, the black community that exists in the South. That's the main, that's the main difference. So, you know, like, for, for the people who need that type of hip-hop, you know, that talks about the real-life experience of what goes down in the streets, it's, it's kind of like, Wow, is anybody hearing me? You know, is anybody hearing what's what type of suffering is going on out here? It's somebody. And enough people are listening so maybe my truth will get out there. For me is what what rip the the roots of rap and hip hop are all about. Like how do I tell this story? You know, somebody hear me. Um and I guess the criminals need somebody to hear them too. Yeah, yeah. I mean I I, I completely get that and the lack of community, I mean, that's directly related to what the cops did. I mean, they, they sought to, to destroy the, the community. I watched the documentary, um, it's on Netflix. You, you probably watched it. Can I think of the exact title, but it was basically like how gangs, you know, like how the blood and, and, and crypts. Crips proliferated. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they talked about that. Like, um, I mean, that's, that's kind of how I have family on the West Coast. They, they left here, you know, and they went there because it was just, you know, promise of a better life only to really find like, okay, this isn't any different. Um, these same types of cops are out there. And it just talks about how, um, like the things leading up to what, um, just how they sought out to like, okay, where two or more, uh, black people are gathered together. We're going to bust everything up. And this, this one guy, he eventually became a gang member. I don't remember which gang, but it was like, you know, he said that he remembers he and his friends, like they wanted to be a part of social clubs that white people had, like, you know, like the Boy Scouts and things like that. And they weren't allowed to join it. So they, they started their own social clubs, like things to do when there was no school, like basically trying to stay out of trouble. And the cops continuously, like they would keep coming and they made it difficult. So, you know, it was kind of in a response to what they were doing. They began to just kind of, you know, hang together and have to fight the cops. And that was like kind of like laid the groundwork for what we now know, you know, it's like as modern gangs. And he said they they created that whole thing. And he talked about and I'm, I'm sure you, you know who this is. They talked about this one particular sheriff or like he's a chief of the police department. He was horribly racist. And like all these different things that they would do, like raid people's homes. Um, there's this one woman that they focused on. Um, I think they ended up murdering her, but it had to do with like, I think they came to turn off her electricity and it was over like, it was like a couple of dollars, like was, was the bill, but like there was no trying, they did not treat her like a human being. She was trying to reason with them. And I want to say they ended up killing her, but it was like, it was one of those things that happened that, 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 uh, sparked watch. Like people were just getting tired of it. There was one man, he was, um, he was speeding, but his wife was in labor. Um, 
And instead of the cop realizing that and like maybe it's escorting him to prison, he arrested him. He may have killed him, but it was one of those things where it was like, okay, we're going to broadcast this. And one of the men talking, he, um, he was a, he was a lawyer. He was a young lawyer at the time. And he was just talking about like these things set the stage for, you know, for the current, um, conditions, you know, and that's what, led into like all of that unrest, which led to Rodney King and all like there, there are reasons for it. It's like the same people that complain about, you know, black people in crime. It's like you, you did this, you created the conditions, you know, that, that, that made this right for happening, you know, and then you're going to stand back and like, well, you know, let's over police and we have to do something about this. Um, uh, and there was a quote that the, um, the racist, the, Chief of police said, and it was like, um, well, if they don't want us around, and you hear this rhetoric now, if they don't want us around, then, you know, we won't protect them anymore. Like, you're not protecting them now. You're policing. They're two very different things. When you're protecting, you're walking the neighborhoods, and if you see something going on, your your number one objective should be to de-escalate. Let's get to the bottom of what's happening, and let's de- and let's de-escalate. That's protecting. And then you police the person who needs to be policed. No, you guys have a general attitude of let's go slap these niggas into submission. And uh and he made the comment that if they don't want us in the neighborhoods, then we just won't go there. And I think for a while, like they stopped, they stopped protecting these people, which I believe, you know, like led straight into the Black Panthers who were trying to protect them. It's it's it's, it's just this whole thing. And watching it, it took me a long time to watch it because it made me so mad. Like I had to keep stopping and then starting again because the hypocrisy and the willful ignorance is infuriating. So, okay. So after they leave J.R. Crickets, Paperboy goes to the gas station. Alfred goes to the gas station. The dude in front of him in line, hella suspect. Um, did you hear how the cashier was like, <laughs> and Alfred goes, I don't need a bag. And the cashier was like, I know. <laughs> no, I didn't notice that. <laughs> Like, I ain't gonna give you one for those switch of sweets. <laughs> Just little stuff like that. Like, really? <laughs> what if I wanted a bag? But yeah, and then, uh, and then he goes out um, to bump his gas. It looks like he decides not even to get gas because he notices the guys in the car. Yeah, hunched over, looking like they're like setting up a lit. Right, right. And the Darius is like, oh, um, I want to go in and buy a cocktail. And he's like, no, you're not. And they drive off, so that's the end of that scene. Why is that fool so oblivious? Like, he is so oblivious. Okay, no. See, he's infuriating you too. <laughs> I love him, but he's, it's like having like a toddler. I'm like, I want to live your life. <laughs> so then we, um, we go back to the jail and Ern um, is picking a hair out of the most disgusting looking sandwich ever. Um, and what's funny is, the old man asks if he wants it, and Ern's like, no, take it. And then he says, he ain't going to make it in here, boy. It's like, you asked him for it. <laughs> like, he took it, but then he's like, dummy. Yeah, you don't give nobody your shit in jail. Right. And he 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 took the food, but then he was like, ain't hey, stupid. <laughs> and then that's when we, uh, we, we see Lee, the mentally ill um, inmate with the like a hospital gown on and he's, you know, he's coming in and he's dancing and you can tell that he's a regular customer because everybody already knows him. 
uh, including the cops. Everybody's kind of like laughing at him. Earn, I mean, Earn has basically, you know, had the same expression of just being terrified. But when he sees Lee, you know, he's he's concerned, you know, and people are laughing at him. And he says, um, I think like one of the guards, like, oh, he's in here every week. And then Earn is like, why is he in here every week? He seems like he needs help. He's like, man, shut up. There's so many mentally ill people caught up in the criminal justice system because they don't have access to actual help. And remember last week, like, why aren't more black people just snapping under the pressure of racism and everything that we experience here? I don't know. This guy, Lee, obviously snapped. And, you know, he's never going to get the help that he needs because the prison system is set up to ignore mental illness, not to assist people. Um, uh, there's this statistic that I found 83% of jail in- inmates with mental illness do not have access to the type of care they need. So 1.2 million individuals living with mental illness sit in jail and prison each year. They're not criminals. No. So then Lee Lee goes, um, he has this cup, he goes to the toilet, dips it in, and everybody's like, you know, really like watching it like they're watching a movie, you know, trying to see if he's uh, if he's going to drink it. He puts it in his mouth, comes out. One of the cops, that's a white cop, I don't think he was in there before, but he walks in and he, I think he just greets Lee, you know, like speaks to him. But who knows? what their relationship is, if he's done something to Lee, you know, previously probably doesn't even matter because Lee is mentally ill, but he spits the water out on, on him. And they, I mean, they beat him so brutally. I, it was so unnecessary. Like it was, it was overkill, you know, and Ern looks just very disturbed and, you know, not that the mood in the room was, was really happy, but it definitely like, it it shifts everything in the room after that, you know, and, and everybody kind of just goes quiet and it's just kind of like, this is what can happen to you. You know, it's just mentally breaking everybody down. You know, you can see it, you know. So, I mean, that was a really, that was a tough scene. It's a hard scene to watch. But yeah, if Lee had not have gotten beaten, I would have thought, okay, the show is not being true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was tough. Yeah. So then we go back to Darius and Alfred. They're at home. Did y'all, did you have, so the conversation they're having, oh, let's go do something. It's Alfred is just like, oh, this weird energy out today. You know, it's just, the mood is off. And Darius keeps suggesting these things that involve hitting on women. And I'm like, wow, this, is he being pushy or am I just reading that into it? Uh, I don't know if it, <laughs> I don't know if I'd call it pushy, but what I what I do notice about Darius's behavior in this episode is, like, normally he's very um, very in tune to what's going on, like with with people's emotions and like and how they might be feeling, and he is not picking up on what Al is feeling at all, which which is not like really the Darius that I've gotten used to, you know, and he's. He's in this mood, like he's he's enjoying some of the notoriety that um, Al is getting, and he kind of seems like he just, but he's really like he's really acting like an entourage person right now. Like he's enjoying it, you know. He wants to go out and you know and be in public with Paperboy. Like that's that's what I get from him. And then like you know, let's go here, and you can hit on that waitress and. Um, uh, and then he mentions like, let's go see those crazy girls at such and such. And it was just weird because right before that, 
when Al is like, I don't know if this is before or after, but there's a scene like right before they get the knock on the door when he comes over and he tells him again that he has that juice and they kind of dap up. It was a very intimate scene, like between the two of them. And then they, and then he switches to, again, I don't remember if it was before or after, but then he switches to like, let's go out and like, you know, try to go talk to girls or like, you know, hook up with these crazy chicks or whatever. But it was just so odd. But what I came away with was like, he doesn't seem to be picking up on the fact that Al, like Al feels off. And normally he realizes things about people before they do, you know, so that it was out of character. It felt out of character because I don't, unless I'm forgetting, um, but it's not like Darius is girl crazy. He doesn't, in the other episodes we've seen, it's not like he spends a lot of time talking about hollering at chicks. So the fact that, you know, he says, oh, we can go over to Edgewood. There's some crazy girls there. You can meet, like, you can hit on a waitress at the pool hall. It just seemed a little strange. And Right, right. When um, when Al- Alfred comes back after he's run into this woman with the kids, and I'm wondering, again, am I reading something into this or... You know, do do single men really talk about hitting on women that much with each other? Like, I didn't think it was weird that they were talking about that. I thought it was weird that Darius was doing that when Alice so obviously shaken up. Like, he didn't seem to notice <clears throat> that the, the guys at the gas station were kind of, you know, being super suspect. You know, and normally Darius sees everything. I mean, usually Darius is the one giving insight. Like, you know, in, in his own weird way to what's going on. And this time he was just like, yeah, you know, Vibe did an article and such. Like, he was so obsessed with, like, the fame part. And it's so un- unlike him. Now, he's always, you know, known what was happening with social media, you know, and he'll give his two cents and he'll talk about women. But it's always in a he usually talks about it as a spectator. But this time it was like, yeah, like, it just seemed like he just wanted to be out and experience hanging out with Al while he had the juice. Like, he wanted to be around as he watched people react to recognizing Paperboy. It was very weird. It also seemed like Al wanted to talk about the shooting. Uh-huh. Darius was very just dismissive about it. You know, even when they were back at JR Crickets, he was just like, oh, life is a series of close calls. You know, Alfred was like, man, isn't that, isn't what happened last night weird? Wasn't that crazy? Yeah. And Darius is like, ah, you know, and and like you said, he's really focused on this like star power, this juice madness. Yeah, he's loving it. Now, we could argue this is the second episode of a new show. And sometimes decisions are made um, as far as like like how you watch a pilot. And when you haven't seen it in a long time and you watch it again. You realize, like, oh, that's not even the same house. Or, like on the Cosby show, they started off with four kids and then they ended up with, with five. So, I mean, it could be that kind of situation. But I guess I just feel like, you know, everything that these writers do <clears throat> is usually so purposeful um, that it would seem weird. So, it seems out of character. And, and then, it, like, literally, it seems out of character. Like, someone else was writing him. Like, that doesn't normally write him. Or... They were going to have Darius be a very different type of person and then maybe switched it around. I'm not sure. I get what you're saying. I don't disagree, but I'm, I think it was purposeful because based on what this woman says and how she acts. 
So Alfred leaves the house. He witnesses these kids pretty much like play acting the shootout from, and again, this just happened last night. Like not even a full 24 hours have passed. This just happened last night. It's all over Twitter. Kids are talking about it. You know, so he comes running up, and that also feels a little contrived. Like, I don't know, if I were an up-and-coming rap star, I'm not sure that I would be running up to, like, strangers, like, hey, don't imitate this shootout. Yeah, that that was kind of weird, and it was naive on Al's part, and it was, it kind of reminded me of how Al acts in season two, when he seemed put off that people are recognizing him and then trying to convince everybody that he's regular. Like, it, it was kind of an Al thing to do, sort of, except this seemed to be driven by, like, him just being naive and then, like, okay, you can't have it both ways. Like, he was, he was literally, he was seriously trying to have his cake and eat it, too. Like, I'm not a role, like, you know, you're doing things, but you do realize that what you do now, and I think he's slowly starting to realize, like, oh, yeah, kids are going to see this, and they're going to imitate it, and you're trying to stop them from doing it, but at the same time, I mean... That's what's going to happen. Um, but but he does still kind of like seem to not realize like, you know, you're about to be in this in this sort of universe where like you're not a regular person. You can't just do that. You know, can, and, and we see him do that repeatedly in the second season. So uh, the way this woman, she changes her whole mood. She learns that he's he's a, oh, my goodness, <laughs> this is crazy. What you doing here? Like. He's saying all my kids, that's just my child. That's not his nephew. This, I just have one kid. Like, these qualifiers, and then she needs to take a picture with him. And it's crazy how she's not phased by the fact that her kids, you know, the kids she's in charge of, are talking about how this dude is rumored to have shot someone. Not phased by that at all. But <laughs> she's like, oh, rap star. Yeah, as soon as she heard that. Because when when she heard what they were doing, she responded in the appropriate way. like. I told you we don't play like that and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, yeah. Like, you know, she's she's being a mom. She's being an auntie, you know. But then she hears rap star and like everybody else seems to, like we all do, she separates it. It's like, yeah, he's a rap star, but he, but he did something that a lot of these rap stars actually rap about. Like, he actually did it. Like, she separated the fame and the stardom, you know, from like the actual thing kind of like the cop did it's 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 like we all kind of have a role in this and she was just like oh you know and then she she gave the gun back to the boy so he can go and grab her phone and then they take the family picture and the kid is pointing the gun at the camera it's just like okay now you have no problem and then she gets rid of them like i'm gonna put my hand on your chest see and that's why i think that darius's behavior is intentional like, what he's saying is intentional. That's the theme throughout the show. All these people are like, oh, it's a rap star. And totally dismissing the fact that somebody got shot. Yeah, but it's a special shooting because it's a rap star. It was sad. Yeah, it was sad. So then we go back to the jail with Ern. And, uh, all right, so this this commentary on the trans community. And, you know other people in Georgia who live in Georgia. All right, so Georgia is a state with the fourth highest transgender population in the country. Uh, there's about 56,000 people in Georgia that identify as transgender. Um, the top four states are Hawaii, California, Arizona. No, it's, no, 
New Mexico and uh, New Jersey. Strange. Okay. Yeah, that's random. So Atlanta specifically has one of the highest lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender populations per capita. I don't believe that Atlanta is the number one city for LGBT, but it's pretty it's pretty high up there. LGBT community in Atlanta is significant, and the transgender community specifically is significant. So this whole thing, Johnny, and he's reconnecting with who he describes as his ex-girlfriend. This was such a bittersweet scene because you can tell Johnny is genuinely into his ex. Uh, yeah, he really, really is. Yes, and then and the ex is like, this guy sees me for who I am, who I feel that I am, who I really am. And, I mean, it's, it's like, if it wasn't for the fact that it was in jail, it would be really kind of a cute flirtation between two people who really seem to genuinely care about each other. Yeah. She also wanted him to keep his voice down, though. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> he kept on like you could tell like he's being transported to definitely a happier time in his life and like doesn't want to stop talking about it but again they are in jail Chattels. man come on how, how oblivious can you be he's a random guy sitting between you and your long lost love that he doesn't want to get up for some strange reason <laughs> I mean Ern yes Ern should have just gotten up, gotten up. Yeah. But, but why wouldn't that dude want him to I I don't know just the whole the entire scene was strange i i'm sorry it was just a it was a strange scene that seems like it could have really really happened mm-hmm. like something strange like that had to have actually happened yeah like somebody wouldn't just like imagine that yeah because you could see like the realization you know and then him not wanting to face it you know him not not wanting to uh accept reality you know it was it was so hard and then he kind of like Kind of snap. It seemed like his biggest problem was being labeled as gay. His, his problem was not with her, you know, because even, you know, as he was defending him and her, he's like, she's not what you think she is. Uh-huh. And so I was like, wow, how many layers? Um, but Brady's friend, your dude in the orange shirt, how he says that ain't gay, that's just jail. There was a report put out by a commission on sex in prison. It's an actual commission that was started by the Howard League for Penal Reform. So in this report, they interviewed several heterosexual, gay, and bisexual ex-prisoners. One heterosexual man said that he had had consensual sex with gay or bisexual prisoners out of necessity. He said he had resumed exclusively heterosexual relationships since leaving prison, and he added, I'm completely straight. What happened then was just about having my sexual needs met in a particular time and place where I couldn't get heterosexual sex. People do what they want behind closed doors, in front of them, adjacent to them, perpendicular, whatever. The most alarming thing about this this report um, by the Commission on Sex in Prison is that when they surveyed these ex-prisoners, several of them said they had one sexual partner while they were in prison. But some of them said they had had as many as 35. So that's a large swing. But the prisons and jails aren't uniform in supplying their prisoners with condoms or any type of sexual protection. And they're not really uniform in in talking about about engaging in, in, in sex. They know that it's happening. You know, it's happening in jails and prisons across the country. But that's that's where a lot of HIV AIDS transmissions are going on. You know, and then it's like considered DL. But when they get out, they're engaging in heterosexual activity. 
Right. I'm glad this report was done and it's, you know, it's being put out there, but like what's going to, what needs to change is, you know, the amount of education and resources are available because these these guys are not going to stop having sex with each other. They're not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a, uh, such a loaded topic. There's so much to say about it. It is what it is. But, you know, I'm glad that people are admitting, hey, this is happening and it's not just, you know, I think in movies we all think, oh, it's just prison rape, which <laughs> then putting putting the term just before prison rape, horrible. Yeah, basically. But yeah, a lot of consensual sex for both men and women go on in prison. And I just want to make sure those people are getting the healthy resources they need to engage in this behavior responsibly. You know? Right. We go back to the apartment and um, this dude with the Batman mask rolls up. That was hella suspect. Uh, very. Especially since he shows up with the with a mask and then lifts the mask up. What's the point? That was very dumb. And then runs off. <laughs> you just don't know who you can encounter in Atlanta. Like, <laughs> wearing a Batman mask. It could have been totally benign. But then it also could have been like, okay, I'm going to run, run and get my crew of 20 people. Yeah, like, one is Captain America, one's going to have a Thanos mask, and one's going to have Black Panther. <laughs> like, like, I don't know how to take this, because should I be afraid, or, you know, is there, like, a counselor, like, looking for a group of escaped people <laughs> with masks, like, they were headed to the movies? It was just weird, you know, but, I mean, of course, it was just an extension of, um, you know, uh, of the weird interactions that Al had been having, so... um what I didn't understand was why Darius said yes. <laughs> why did he have that hat on? <laughs> why did he put on the hat before he went and answered the door? Why? Yeah, it was it, it, it was it was very strange. So you know, one thing I forgot to mention before, and you know, which I'll just interweave in now. So I forgot Van bailed Earn out of jail. I forgot that just in general. That sorry ass message he left on her voicemail. I know if I had been at work. <laughs> teaching the future all day and I came home and got that voicemail from this sorry ass fool who already I mean owes me rent money but she doesn't even know that yet because again this just happened last night she doesn't know that he spent that money the rent money on payola yeah but she had asked I mean I I, I thought he was saying that because the day before she said I'm gonna need rent he took the rent yesterday right. and paid the DJ. And then he went to jail. I guess he was explaining that, oh, you know, I'm, I'm getting into something big that would be good for me and you. And also, could you bail me out of jail? Yeah, it was a pre-apology. Alfred should have came and bailed Ern out. Why did Alfred double back and be like, let me go ahead and get my cousin? Because he started this shit. So he should have actually came back and followed up and built built his cousin out. I think Al was distracted, maybe. He was so shaken. Yeah. Well, Van, man, she's a good one. Yeah, she really is. What was your That's So Atlanta moment? All right. So, Jared Crickets, it's been an Atlanta landmark since 1982. Um, My cousin is from Buffalo, New York. So, mm-hmm. i.e., he thinks only Buffalo, New York, New York uh, has the best buffalo wings. I don't agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just like, you know what? I've had GI crickets. I really like their fried chicken. 
Um, I don't go there for the wings. I go there for the fried, you know, not the buffalo style. So um, Jericho's is fine with me. When I the first time I went, I thought it was great. I liked it. It was nice. I haven't, I've never been. It sounds I'm gonna have to check them out. Never been. It's kind of like, um, well, Atlanta does have its own version of Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. That's Gladys Knight's. But Gladys needs to stop because Roscoe's, yeah. <laughs> Roscoe's is superior. Um, but J.R. Crickets is like, it's it has, I mean, remember how Roscoe's looked? It looked like somebody's living room. Except, right. Yeah. So J.R. <laughs> Crickets is kind of like the, the Atlanta bar version of Roscoe's. Ah, okay. I'm definitely going to have to go there next time I'm, I'm up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So mine, uh, mine was basically just recognizing someone from a rap video because the way I see Atlanta, I mean, it's the, it's the hub of Southern rap or, um, I mean, it's, it's especially now. So I feel like if you're in Atlanta, it wouldn't be strange to see like, or Housewives of Atlanta filming, or some sort of um, some sort of reality show, or something going on, and then you know, with the whole strip club thing, and just at any moment a video could be shooting, or you could know someone who's in the industry. It seems like it would be a common occurrence to uh, recognize a girl from a rap video. So, no, you're right about that. My mystical element uh, was when they opened the box of wings and they were glowing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> same which 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 i'm like okay when i go there i want that to happen <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh okay i have been not disappointed i will be <laughs> but i'm just like wait are those things glowing which just made me think okay dude, so these things must really be uh really really good so um my uh dariusism there were a couple uh the first one i have uh is when he was picking he was picking al up uh from from the jail and um i think al said he was hungry or he hadn't eaten and he said good the food is genetically modified to make you lie yeah that was my first one so which one do you have um i had the same one and i counted him waving at the fanboy cop and asking al why he hates jail as Mm-hmm. So, as well as us humans are always close to discretion life itself is but a series of close calls I yes so you're alive unless you knew you could die yeah um, I, I had that one too and then i also had the fact that he set a google alert for paperboy <laughs> yes <laughs> so random but i mean but actually helpful i mean as 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 Al's entourage is starting to form, um, he's already proven himself useful. Um, the, the the comment that he made about how would you know you were alive unless you knew you could die, of course, this precedes season two, but it really reminded me of the Teddy Perkins episode, you know, and just that whole thing that happened to him, uh, you know, like where we really got to see Darius's his his philosophy towards life. Yeah, I'm sure he felt very alive once at <laughs> Teddy Perkins' house. So yeah. <laughs> okay. Well. So my SJR moment, of course, was Lee getting beat by the cops for spitting out that toilet water. And as I said before, if that had not have happened that way, I would be side-eyeing, side-eyeing the show. Yeah, yeah, I had the same one. Um, it, it, it was it was a powerful moment and you're right um it was hard it was hard to watch I can't say it's my favorite part 
But if you're going to take like an honest look at what happens and what the problem is, then, you know, you would need to include something like that. And it was just sad. You could tell it, it, it affected everyone in this, in the scene, but you're powerless at that moment. So all anyone can do is just kind of shake their head and put their head down. So. Or everyone could have gone and got some water out of the toilet and spit at all of the guards there. It could have they, been. Yes. <laughs> it could have. But you know that. No, I mean, they do things like that to serve as a warning. I mean, it's ruling by fear, which is the legacy of the South. So very uplifting. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And that will conclude our review (laughs) of episode two of season one. Thank you for listening. Rapping Atlanta is recorded and produced by Nikki Ebo and Nita Sharice. Our theme music is Joy Clark's Galaxy Group, performed by Joy Clark. You can follow this talented artist on Instagram at Joy Clark Music. Our show's artwork is created by Loso Perez, creative director at Prime Vice Studios. You can follow Prime Vice on Instagram at Prime underscore Vice. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe. You can follow Rapping Atlanta on Instagram and Twitter at Rapping Atlanta. 